LF podcast, where we're focused on fashion, fitness, and of course food. This podcast is all about bringing these three parts of your life together to help you get the most out of your passions. We're here to help you look your best, feel great, and also indulge in some maybe not so hidden temptations. <laughs> we are by no means experts in any of these fields, but we do hope to bring people to the show who know what they're talking about and can help you with some of these aspects of your life. You only live once, so why not live a life worth living? On the show today, we have Milo Chan of Gopher Food. Gopher Food is a Michelin award-winning, NBC-spotlighted Chinese, Thrillist.com, top 10 Chinese restaurant in Time Out Chicago as one of the best dishes, their chili fusion crab in Chicago. They are a Chinese fusion restaurant located in the heart of Chinatown. Lunch and dinner is served in their contemporary two-tier dining room, the second level also being a party room in which hosts about 40 people. Comfort some of the usual suspects are mapa tofu and beef chow fun, but save for their more contemporary unique ones like baby geoduck, fusion chili crab, and millionaire style fried rice. Or we may just order one of the various prefix menus for comprehensive experience. Better yet, try our special prefix dinner where they create an off-the-menu dishes specifically for your night depending on your preferences. Sit back, relax, and enjoy this episode with Milo Chan of Gopher Food. So today we're sitting down with the manager of Gopher Food, Milo. How are you doing today? Good, how are you? Fantastic. So tell us a little bit about running your restaurant, Gopher Food. Uh, it's a challenge. It's fun, though. Um, for most days, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there, there can be some interesting things, but that's, uh, that's life for any, anything, any business that you do. So it's, uh, it's nice. I think it's nice to see lots of different people and meet lots of different people. And, So when people do some reviews of Gopher Food, first thing they see is you guys are a Michelin awarded restaurant. Yeah, we're uh, Michelin recommended, um, and yeah, the, the, all, all the publications and the TV shows they've been pretty kind to us. Mm-hmm. So yeah, we've been on in Chicago. We've been on almost like basically every single thing that matters, mm-hmm. uh, which which is nice. And, and so it's especially what we want to do too. It's it's nice to get that, a little bit of that recognition of doing something it's not just like sweet and sour or that, that we're being recognized for it's right. being like it's actual like actual food <laughs> so break us down the, the restaurant the menu consists of just Chinese mainland food yeah so we're more we're a Chinese fusion restaurant okay. so we like to essentially mix in other cultures and flavors into our own Hong Kong style and it could range uh, tremendously a lot, a lot of different inspirations that we, that we have so the owner and I and the chef who is an actual chef and not just like a drone cook which is mostly what in Chinatown is unfortunately <laughs> um, actually loves to play with lots of different things and, and, and play with food and like uh, and that's a really fun thing so we wanted to mix in and, and, and do something more modern mm. and actually what what I guess quote unquote what real Chinese food is or okay. real more real food real modern food is uh, nowadays because unfortunately I think for for Chinatown and I can go on forever about this a huge bias against well, a huge bias against Chinese food and, and all that entails but uh, like Chinese food is one of the I think one of the largest ethnic uh, categories. 
is of food in the United States, or in the world actually, that's not in Asia or whatever, um, in the Western world, that is the most um, backwards, I suppose, or the most, like, has the least progressed. Like, especially in America, I think, with, um, like, say, say, for example, the, 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 the largest probably Mexican food, uh, the Americans um, are more familiar with Mexican food, so, I mean, even though if you were talk to, like, someone who is in, like, doing, has a Mexican background or, or, or Latin background running a restaurant, they would, I mean, they would probably say the same things, like, oh, my gosh, like, these Americans, or these Westerners, yeah. like, they just, like, only want tacos or something. But, I mean, but, but the nice thing is that at least uh, Americans are much more familiar with mm-hmm. it. Um, whereas, like, I think um, uh, Chinese food in particular is uh, very, I think Westerners know it, uh, extremely, very, very, very little about what Chinese food uh, is, and I think even Chinese people don't really even know what Chinese food is anymore, especially when you go to, uh, to America, because when you go to most restaurants, it's uh, in Chinatown, most Chinatowns, a lot of times, like, the what most people think is traditional Chinese food is, like, old school Chinese food uh, restaurant, and anywhere you go to in, in, the, in the nation, it's essentially Panda Express. Which are start, which was started by Chinese people, but I mean, really? yeah, the, the owners are, are, are Chinese, but then like those are, that's like, like centuries old, sort of like what, like even then, kind of like fake Chinese food as it is, mm. and they did an amazing job marketing it, and uh, and and I think that sort of time difference between ages ago until now, there's such been a huge gap. Chinese food in particular between mainland China and Hong Kong and uh, and then also Taiwanese food and, and other Asian Asian foods in general too, uh, but in particular with Chinese food that uh, hasn't really grown at all uh, because I think most of the uh, Chinese owner or Chinese restaurant owners in around the country too, especially in Chicago, they they, they only thing they know how to do is the Panda Express stuff, right. which perpetuates like oh if, if like This is what Chinese restaurants. This is with all the chi- like Chinese owners that have these Chinese restaurants and all they serve is like sweet sour chicken and stuff like that. Oh, that must be what they eat or something like that. And so I think it's um, it, it's kind of like culturally we 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 did it upon ourselves to to keep bad food alive for such a long time. But there's nothing wrong. Actually, there's nothing. There's nothing wrong with like sweet sour chicken. And sometimes like I'm hankering for that sort of like flavor, but. But I, like that's, I think it's, uh, it's 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 not even it's not even Chinese food, um, which is um, which is really unfortunate because we we kind of like Chinese people kind of let culturally like let other people know like okay you're gonna come for cheap food you're gonna come for this and you're gonna come to eat like enough for like two meals afterwards yeah. and, and pay nothing for it which is which is ridiculous and and it's all I think I, I completely lay the entire blame on Chinese people for that. I think about that all the time. Like, what do you, like, Chinese people think, like, American food is? Like, if I go to China and go, I want some American food, are they taking me to, like, a burger place? Or, like, like, what, like that's the opposite, too. Like, if you say, I want Chinese food as American, you're thinking Panda Express. Like, mm-hmm. one, two, maybe three ingredients, yeah. a protein, and then, like, noodles or rice. And then yeah, that's yeah. your only option. Yeah, yeah. Like, I took some friends to this place in Memphis. They're, like, Chinese. And, like, we had barbecue. They were, like, so shocked, like, what it was. Like, it wasn't like they didn't know it existed, but they didn't know, like, classified it as American. And yeah, that's yeah. a huge part of the U.S. 
class oh, yeah, itself. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's a exactly, barbecue. Yeah. Um, actually, I just saw a, a video about. Um, I think there's actually a, a lot of. Well, from the video, there was a lot. There's a few. Uh, I don't know where they're scattered around the south. Uh, these restaurant owners that have barbecue restaurants that they. Some of them are Koreans too. That they grew up in the south, so they love southern like barbecue. And they go open a restaurant in Korea, and it's like Koreans trying American barbecue for the first time. Yeah. And comparative to Korean barbecue, which is so so, it's like not even remotely the same. But it's um, but like they're they're it's like a reaction. So they're filming like tons of different people eating different types of barbecue, American barbecue, and they're like, whoa, what's like it's crazy. Um, and like it's a really really funny. But yeah, that's besides what. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, I think with uh, with I, when most people come to America and they think of American food, mm-hmm. I think the most stereotypical thing first and foremost is like a burger, mm-hmm. a burger and steak, especially. Um, and I th- yeah, that's like, and that's probably due to the fact that McDonald's is so it's been so good around the world by perpetuating the burger and fries, and then I. What most people think is this burger, burger and steaks um, and meats. A lot of meat. because Americans, I think America, because we have our meat is so plentiful, mm-hmm. especially beef. Because in China, you don't really, uh, they don't have as much beef. In Asia, uh, beef is extremely expensive, mm-hmm. and mo- most of it is not very good okay. too. Um, because it's so little over there, uh, and then so that when you come here, it's like, oh my gosh, you have so much like beef. It's like everywhere. It's, like, it's crazy, but it's really good too here. Primarily, the most the, the most stereotypical is probably the burger and fries and, 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 and steak uh, would be that. And it is a shame that most people don't know so the cookies. I love barbecue, mm-hmm. and so there's lots of different categories of barbecue. But um, but yeah, I think primarily just burger, burger, <laughs> burger and steak would be the the quintessential American food. Yeah. So what kind of differentiates your menu then uh, from the non fast foodish like restaurants and like even like in Chicago in general? Like some people. We'll have to make a trip down to Chinatown from like wherever they're coming from to come to your restaurant. What's yeah. kind of going to attract them to your menu? Yeah, um, I think just because of our uh, how our business is, like we're a little bit actually we're, we're very very handed. Uh, we're not we're on the old side of Chinatown on the off street, but we're not even on the corner. We're like two doors down from the off street, and so we're hard to find um, physically. So we don't really get walking traffic. So people who usually come to us are specifically searched, searched us out, mm. uh, which is nice, and, uh, and are we, I think the owners, like, we started the restaurant specifically to, uh, to do something a little bit different, and, um, and we wanted to, really wanted to not do what, because there's, in Chinatown, especially Chicago, it's extremely small, mm-hmm. and it's like less than it's like a less than half a mi- half a square mile, and there's like more than like 75 food like restaurant food related businesses in here, so which is an extreme amount of restaurant footprint in a small amount of time, and they all do the exact same thing, uh, which is uh, a shame. But yeah, we wanted to, at the time we wanted to do something, we wanted to add it in because we're kind of like sick of like. The, Stuff right. and even even what like um, like old school Chinese people would eat like the really the real 
super traditional Chinese food, like just like vegetables and those kind of things. Like that's like every it's been done. Like everyone does that. It's like it's like it's not. It's just like you, you might as well cook it at home. Um, <laughs> sort of deal. Uh, so yeah, that's why we decided to, to we, we went that route because we just wanted to, we were just bored. Like I think, and then it's just not it's not fun if you do that if you do that sort of stuff. Uh, and so that's why we do all the things, and that's why we've been really lucky and. Liked coming to us, and we got a lot of our accolades for those things too, with uh, using live seafood and the, the flavors that we uh, like to like to do is um, is very very different, very very unique um, in nature. Uh, so yeah, it can range between like mixing in your traditional like Pan Asian sort of things, like mixing in a little bit of Thai, Vietnamese, or Korean or Japanese influences to like Indian and Pakistani spices to like cooking things to like I don't know having like an Asian clam chowder or whatever it's and like whatever 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 we like to eat we just make a little twist on it and um, whatever goes from there because uh, I think also we are I think the only if not yeah probably the only or one of the few Chinese restaurants in Chicago that does fully custom uh, uh, prefix uh, dinners, essentially, or, or lunches or whatever yeah. that you come in for. And then that's kind of like our style. And then we wanted to like really just completely change it. Where like this is we wanted this, this is like more what real, what actual Chinese food is. And, and that's one of the things that have really uh, differentiated us to with other restaurants uh, is that we have the ability and the skill and the capability to do something like that and um, it's really actually quite quite unique with, where it's like uh, uh, very comparable to like Japanese if you know what uh, kaiseki is mm-hmm, yeah. Yeah, yeah so this is kind of like what we did. it's like it can be it's like you can give us a budget give us your likes your dislikes anything specific as long as it's legal to be imported right. into the country and then we make a custom dinner and if you ordered like every single day you did this uh, every single day it would be something completely completely different and that's something that we also so what's kind of the uh, process for me as a restaurant goer for that? Should we let you know day of, like make reservations like a couple At least days a week, before? at least a week, because a lot of things that we serve, actually mostly everything that we serve is um, uh, is not available on the actual menu. So a lot, of, a lot of the items and the ingredients we don't have, we have to source them sometimes specifically. So we usually say at least a week uh, in advance, depending on what you want. Uh, sometimes people have very, very specific uh, requests, or they try to like, okay, is it possible to get this? And if it's something a little bit more rare, but it is able to get in, it, it might depend on the, the, the time it takes to be imported right. into the country. Uh, but usually at least a week. Because sometimes we don't get like crazy, crazy requests like all the time. But uh, but yeah, at least a week, and then so you either email or you call us, and uh, we essentially just say like, okay, what's your budget? Like how many people? What day? Time? Uh, what's your budget? Uh, any dietary restrictions? And is there things very specific you want? Because a lot of times people have done it, like uh, repeat customers that wanted to do it again, and sometimes they want like the same thing they had before. But uh, it'd be like, okay, I want, I want more beef. I want more seafood. I want this specific seafood. I want, I don't know, anything like that. And then we uh, maybe like a couple days later, uh, a day or two, we we send them a menu, and this is it. And you can look at it. You can okay it. You say, oh, maybe I want this, or maybe less of this, or could you add this? And then uh, once everything is finalized, we we have that final uh, we have that final menu sent to you. It's okayed, and essentially uh, that's what's gonna be coming when you sit down. And right. it's gonna be depending on how many people, it'll be like 
this many courses, uh, including like dessert, all that stuff. So, uh, and it'll be very, very different. So it can range between like fam, like partial like family style to like individual things. And then we've done like lots of like fragua, like wagyu, and all, all that sort of wonderful stuff. Uh, there. So like with the prefix meals, you kind of have like a week or so to plan everything out, right? At least, at least right. a week, yeah. And then so like on your menu, I'd say like comparatively to other restaurants I've gone to, like even when I went to the other day, we'll mention the name, but they had like 200 choices on there for like main dishes, right? Yeah. Right. Well, how do you guys choose to like bounce between so many things but keep the menu so tight and compact? We have something new to try every time they come in, opposed to just with our regular these, menu. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 300 things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's another thing that I absolutely hate is. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a systematic problem with Chinese restaurants, mm. um, with these old school, like uh, old school Chinese restaurants with the stereotypical like 200, 300 yeah. item menu. Is that like um, I think for a business, like you have to be very, very specific um, enough to be like that you are good. You know you're good at these things, mm. but I think what the problem with Chinese restaurants mostly is that because their menu is so lo- so large, they're good at nothing. Right. Uh, and and I absolutely hate it because then, as a business, like logistically, like especially with um, with Chinese, like maybe they might know they they're much more, much more familiar. But of course, we're not a Chinese restaurant, so we also don't want to like serve like like this. Like you can go to that restaurant for for that. Old, So I usually like because like okay well Chinese people when they come they don't know how to order at our restaurant either so that's and that's a good thing so we get to show them like this is what we do and, um, and this is what we're very specific and um, I think the problems with um, having a 200 item menu is that logistically you're bombarded with so many things like even for me if I go into a Chinese which I never do anymore because like that it's, it's uh, yeah <laughs> you really um, want like, I would go yeah. yeah. <laughs> Um, but it takes so much time, and then like uh, you, you're, you have to like explain. Then I have a knowledge on at least 200 to 300 items, which yeah. is just absolutely ridiculous. And I think with uh, it was, there's an interesting thing that about rest- like restaurants now from a decade ago until now is that uh, there was an article I forgot it was a couple, a couple years ago that I, I read this and it showed up just yesterday again that I saw it and this really uh, I think it was like uh, it, it was like a French or Italian restaurant something something really um, uh, a cornerstone restaurant in New York I think it was and I think over the past 10 years they were looking like okay well sales has dipped and like our business has dipped but we've been getting the same amount of traffic like I don't know like they tried to hire a consulting company to see what uh, has changed and I think that uh, they finally figured out what's changed was uh, the customers and how they interacted mm-hmm. because they're constantly on their phones so before when there was no like Wi-Fi or yeah. phones like people would pick it up pick up the menu and the menu was concise too and then they would order food come out and boom 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 but now like people want to take photos and things yeah. like that or like instagram and and like 
check in, and which is which is all which is all good. But then they spend too much time in it. And for a business, it's like you have to mix, like you have to find that right mix and match. And I think with Chinese restaurants, that's that's even worse now. Everyone still wants to take photos, but your menu is just like ginormous. People are going to ask like questions about like everywhere in the menu, and then it's it's a recipe for disaster, um, which is uh, definitely which is why our, our and then we fell into a little bit of that same trap when we first started too. We used to have actually like our menus was literally a binder, mm-hmm. and then um, and I decided just like okay now we're gonna change this, and so I cut like at least half of all the items, mm-hmm. and um, because we want we too I was like we even though we were we had the, like our a lot of the dishes that we're known for still right now. Um, in our previous menu too, like we were st- we we definitely want to be even more specific and get rid of like the riffraff, like the old stuff, which we can easily pass on those customers to someone else. Like if they don't want to eat, like it's like if you want to sweet and sour like chicken, that's fine. You can come eat here, like I, and I hope you enjoy it. But like if that's the only thing you want, like you can keep on going. But like it's like try try like try this or or something like that. But we definitely wanted to keep it very very uh, very very specific because it just um. It helps us to promote our specialties mm-hmm. and what we really want to do. And I always thought it was like, I want to give you the best experience, and the best experience is going to be the best things that we do and what we specialize in, um, not what you think is coming. That makes like, so much sense to me. Like I literally, when I went to that restaurant the other day, I'm not going to mention they had like 300 things on the list. I just chickened out from reading it. Mm-hmm. I said to like who I was with, "Hey, I think we'll just eat whatever you like. I really appreciate your choices." Actually, I said I want to read it. Mm-hmm. I just, just I was like, "No, this is like not worth my time." I'm like, slick around, like don't even care. And she literally like chose like a vegetable she was looking for, and then something off like the group of ten that was like the special they're known for. I'm like, you even read the red menu? I could have done that myself, right? Mm-hmm. But then I used to work in a cafeteria in college. We had like the Asian station and like the manager would let me help all this stuff. Mm-hmm. Just ordering all those kinds of foods to be on top of it mm-hmm. from a freshness. Mm-hmm. I can imagine all the waste. Like we ordered like you know a pound of like celery, mm-hmm. and we went through like a third of it because people didn't want like something with that dish in it. Like yeah, yeah, yeah had had on the menu for like these like four things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's creepy, and yeah, like logistically they have like stuff to make all these things and and also like with Chinese food too like a lot of times they reuse like like five different dishes mm. might actually use almost exact same ingredients right. but just have a different flavor or whatever and uh, and, uh, and that's why like the menus can be so long but then I was like then it's just like man it's like that's kind of that's, that's kind of like stupid yeah. like basically orange chicken sweet sour chicken uh, and, and sesame chicken it's actually the same thing right Except just minor variants, and and um, and it, it's oh my gosh! It, it, I mean, I guess as a business, it's kind of like a smart thing, but at the same time, it's it's so dumb. Uh, it's, in in this context, I think um, reusing reusing that sort of stuff, like it's okay to have like a chicken dish on the menu, but like like don't have it the same thing. Like essentially, <laughs> yeah, it's just, it's like at least. Like you have like maybe you can have like let's just say it's like a, we're a pan Asian restaurant like it's just like uh, we don't have any sort of label like it's like at least have like okay teriyaki chicken Korean chicken and Chinese like it's something that, like Japanese Korean Chinese yeah. something like that like then there's three different things and, and like it still uses chicken but it's completely different right. like flavors styles and everything then you have variety not like okay I'm gonna have sweet and sour with sesame and then sweet and sour with spice and then sweet and sour that's like this is the same thing. And, uh, yeah, but that's, 
kind of like my part, <laughs> extra part of my gripe. <laughs> so walk us through some of the specialties you guys are known for here. Yeah, so um, uh, the three things I usually uh, always introduce to people is uh, what we're known for is something called our taco bows, which okay. are Taiwanese style bows. They're steamed buns in the shape of tacos, essentially. And the filling that we have is Korean-style barbecue beef that we thinly slice, and we stir fry with some bamboo shoots, onions, cabbage, uh, and has a nice sweetness and a little bit of a uh, spice to it. Okay. Uh, that's been very, very popular, and it's it's quite nice. Um, and our most popular dish is something called our French beef tenloin, okay. uh, which is <clears throat> essentially beef cubes, like uh, tenloin that we cut into cubes, and then we marinate it uh, for, for a day. Just simply stir fry, and it's uh, extremely simple and clean cut. But that is essentially what we've been known for forever, and that's what basically everyone comes here for, uh, which is really, really nice. And then, of course, seafood is our specialty. Um, we have a special uh, ability and relationship that we can get live seafood and anything that we want to, it can be anything, uh, which is nice. And so we have lobsters, crabs, oysters, scallops, giant clams, razor clams, mussels. It can be abalone and all. All these tons of different things that we can have at any given time, depending on the season too. Um, but our most publicized item is something called our chili fusion crab or okay. lobster, and it's uh, either the or, or that we stir fry in a sauce that uses Indian and Pakistani spices with Malaysian and Indonesian flavors. So it's kind of pan Asian all across the board, with lots of different flavors and curry, a bit of a spice to sweetness tank, all that uh, in between. And that guy is actually the one that. Um, really kind of put us on the map with all the athletes and stuff okay. like that, but like all the TV shows and all like the food people and the writers, they come here for that because that one in itself is uh, is so um, is so unique and so is so different and um, and that's kind of like a little bit of what we really want to do with all these flavors and what we like and the preparation is Chinese but then the flavors and the spices and all that we just get from everywhere else and then make something that we like to eat and hopefully people like to eat too. <laughs> How do uh, you and your staff stay so humble with all these great accolades? I mean, I walked in here a couple days ago, and you, you guys see, what, maybe like 30, 35 up here, and then like 40 on your second level, mm -hmm. right? Yeah, right. Like, opposed to like putting themselves, hey, we're on like a Michelin award, you know, we have like all these great things. Oh. We just come here and it's just like, nice, easy to talk to you, helpful, like things are like a mess downstairs, for like a million of us down there, right? And it's just like, oh, like it's easy going, it doesn't matter. Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, it's nice that we got all these accolades, and we do have, we do, I mean, we, put, put, we do put up things that we've gotten, like our Michelin recommended, and we were on Chicago's Best, but like, yeah, um, one of the things that we, maybe it's a bad thing that we have not done so much is uh, marketing, mm -hmm. and, um, and I won't, I won't name names or groups, <laughs> but there's a one that is very well known that all they do is marketing, and the front of their, uh, well, previously all their restaurants, but now too many restaurants, uh, uh, like literally it's him, someone with, like it's just like, everything is marketing, like everything is just like, oh, I was with the president, oh, like this is that, oh, this, like, I, um, whatever, all these sort of things, and um, it's so tacky, and then I think now uh, uh, a lot of people are realizing that it's just regular, old, kind of like not, like for, to me, in my opinion, not good Chinese food, right. um, or at least like what real, like what times and, and, and even just with their class of the category of food like it's not that great um, but yeah I mean I don't yeah we don't really like to, we, we like to like let people know and like hey cool 
Because a lot of people who do come to us, because that is actually the, our, 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 our lifeblood is actually, is though our, our media and our accolades, because um, especially with like Chicago's Best and like all the TV appearances that we've been featured on, uh, we get tons and tons of people who come in and say, hey, I saw you on TV or Chicago's Best or Windy City Live or all those sort of things, and it's like, I want to try that, that chili fusion crab. Or, and it's actually, it's really nice for us, because even though it's nice that we get our accolades, like now like they're com- they want to come in and they want to specifically try these things that are not sweet and sour chicken, right. like, it's not all these things, and like, okay, awesome, it's, it's good. It's, it's nice that it, it helps us promote like um, our take on Chinese food, like what, our, our take on modern, modern Chinese food. So where do you kind of see the restaurant growing to at this point? Like, as you're having successes, serving breakfast, lunch, and dinner at this point, only so big size, what's kind of like the growth perspective? Yeah, I mean, for, for some time we've been trying to uh, look for uh, different locations to expand to, uh, and we for sure come to the conclusion that, like, getting out of Chinatown, uh, for sure, uh, um, and doing much more of the our style, like our actual like, more, more fusion, so we're, we're a little bit handicapped in, uh, in, in, in Chinatown. We still have to uh, adhere to like I mean the local like we want to make we don't want to make it too crazy right. uh, or or to, to, to the locals and stuff like that. Um, but we definitely want to for sure expand. And right now we are looking at different locations and trying to see what we could do to then expand and then uh, grow on our on what our original like what we actually want to do. So yeah, that's definitely in the works, and um, yeah, lots of lots of we have, we have tons of ideas on what we what we can do, and so now just trying to uh, the right timing, the right place, and then and then the right people. So how did you get involved? You said the owner is a chef, right? And you're just the owner is the owner is is, um, is not is not the chef. Uh, she is like my older sister essentially, okay. and uh, she's been a family friend for a very very, very long time. And the chef is someone that we found. Uh, uh, by happenstance, which is okay. really nice, and he, yeah, he loves to. He spends all of his time just playing around with different sauces and, and stuff like that. Um, I'm sorry, what was the question again? How did you get involved? Yeah, like. Oh, how did I get involved? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, uh, and then so my family is actually uh, we're a seafood wholesaler. Okay. So that's that was my background for that, and so my family just is one of the one of the largest distributors of seafood in the Midwest that most people don't realize. Uh, seafood and so um, essentially my father wanted to help uh, and this was 09 so right into the heart of the recession a lot of it there was a lot of people um, these were all from the same church and a lot of people uh, either lost their jobs or really wanted to do something different my, my father's been my parents have been entrepreneurs uh, business owners for over 30 years and so he always promotes like owning like the, the real American dream of like owning your own business and dictating your dictating your life Essentially, there was a group of people that got together and wanted to see if they can do something different mm-hmm. and, and, and see if this is a viable option. Uh, so that's how the restaurant got started. My father helped, like, okay, well, these people, some of these people needed, needed something different uh, to see if that can work out, or they lost their jobs. And so they got, wait, let's see if you can start a business. Let's do that. And so that's how the, the, the restaurant got started. And then um, and eventually, everyone fell by the wayside. Except for what was last standing was um, was who was, is the current owner right now. Yeah. Uh, oh, was well, always the owner, but like that's the last partner standing. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then uh, and then 
So yeah, so I wanted, and of course, like me growing with my particular back background, um, I the world that I always knew was was like business or, or doing doing these things, and so um, I did a lot of different things before, and then but eventually, I mean, I, I went and started started helping out with my parents and their business, and then uh, and then I really also always cooked before, and I always loved food, and so. Maybe help out at the, the restaurant, so that's how I got started. To start like uh, just like maybe six years ago, six seven years ago, uh, starting out as like a delivery driver at first, and then started easing my way in, and then, um, and then yeah, that's how I got started with that. Now like now now we're at this point where like I'm helping um, to with the expansion, helping with like uh, primarily with like making things, making sure the restaurant doesn't burn down. <laughs> and, and Explaining things and then making sure, like, um, like net networking essentially, um, which is a, a pitfall for a lot of Chinese restaurants because they don't really interact with anyone else besides Chinese. So we want to like definitely branch out of that. That's and that's also been help, very, very helpful for us uh, as far as getting our accolades and getting recognized. Um, but yeah, that's essentially uh, how I got started here. It's interesting, I think a lot of like business owners and people with business mind and mentality want to do the American dream, whatever, plateau at a certain point, right? You said like, she lost one partners at some point, um, you kind of came in from the bottom up, learned your way, took your experiences and all going along the way, right? Opposed to people like, oh, I just want to like go be a business owner because I don't, I can't hack up my job for like two months. And then they quit like two months later. Yeah. And it's like, oh, I, I don't get to sit around and just collect paychecks all day and play video games? Like, yeah, you can do a job. It's <laughs> very, very, I mean, it's very, very difficult, which is why I'm... Even for it's, which is why most people, which is why most people aren't business owners, right. um, and it's not because like, I, I think you, I think you can go to anyone for the most part, like ninety five percent, like everyone mm, hates their job, like I mean, for the most part, like, there's some sort of huge. Just, I mean, sometimes most a lot of times even business owners might hate their own business, but I, like for the most part, um, especially with me and how I was taught, and especially now for sure, like I like in America we have we have. Such uh, an abundance of opportunity that is not is that's still not available uh, to a lot of like a lot of places in the rest of the world too. Um, in the way that way that America runs, um, in this aspect, is that you you can literally start your own business, and especially nowadays in in the modern world now, you can literally start a business like any business like it could be a business that for nothing yeah. almost like if you have a cell phone you have a business you can have a business and uh, with like Instagram now like some people like even like high schoolers uh, when Instagram started now, now they're like multi-millionaires because like like they A they didn't they, they were they didn't pay attention to the traditional things yeah. and then uh, they pitched attention to something that most people like okay don't pay attention to your phone and then, but if you like if you actually are productive in 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 a certain way, you view things in your mindset, and you actually uh, and just to me, it doesn't matter if you like want to start your own business or even at a job if you have a skill or a craft, like um, and you focus on it and you actually want to excel it and be better in it, you will you will get to a point you get to a point where however you want to do like uh, and I think with. Starting a business, it gives you. Uh, and if you, not everyone starts a business. It's not meant for everyone. Right. Um, and it's extremely.
extremely difficult. So like I think everyone, I think you can talk to anyone, they would definitely say, oh yeah, I, I wish I, I started a business. And a lot of people have lots of ideas that they have, and it's great actually. That's everyone. I wish everyone gets to like at least try out their ideas, but not everyone gets a chance. And even the ones that do get a chance, like only 10% of those people who actually try to start a business uh, make it, and the rest fail, which is an extremely small number after that. Yeah. And so it's it's uh it's very difficult. But I mean, if you Some people in the beginning, when you start a business, like they don't know what it entails, but then they learn, and then they become they become business owners, they become entrepreneurs, and they 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 then grow in that sort of realm. Then it becomes uh, the most extremely rewarding. Like anyway, I think if you even if you don't want to become a business owner, and like say you're you're a craftsman, you uh, you work at a workshop, you you're you're on, you're on the clock. But if you like, you, I think you can find easily the tables in the world and you are the best table maker in the world you that's that's something that you, and you don't care about like the big yachts or something i mean lots of people like they they uh sure now too like um this age like i think a lot of it's cool too like oh, sorry entrepreneurs are starting to become like rock stars yeah now. um which is which is great i think i think you should definitely promote business and i think everyone should definitely see if they can um because you learn if you even if you fail which I think business is all about, in a set, in a, in a certain way, failing because you need to you need to actually like try to, to in order to know, and then and then you have to kind of like uh, progressively fail your way to the top, but like productively fail. Like you don't want to actually fail, but you want to like know you want to make sure you, you you do it. And I think everyone if it, 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 that's definitely that's definitely the way to go because even if you do like ultimately do fail, you. Starting your own business gets you skills that are the skills that make you better than anyone else, uh, which is great. Because I think now um, with with the phone and social media and all this stuff, like I think a lot of people like don't know how to interact with anyone. Like no one knows how to talk to anyone anymore. Like I love actually phoning people up, and a lot of a lot of my friends they don't. No one like likes picking up the phone anymore. I'm like, it's like this is what a phone is for. Yeah. I mean, of course, like you get text and like things, but like, like, and obviously people can have the arm. Like, yes, phones can be used for lots of different ways to communicate in lots of different ways to different people. But like, um, like the skills of actually talking to people and networking and and doing these skills that you learn as a in, in the business realm are are always going to be the best skills that you'll need forever. Right. Like no, no matter what, because like you can be the smartest person in the world, but if you can't do those things, you're just gonna be behind a desk working for someone else. Absolutely. Which is why it's kind of funny. Like we're like, uh, like I think not not stere- not to necessarily stereotypically, but like I think um, being like I think with like Asian culture being like, extremely book smart, like the old style of like you got to but I, I feel really, really bad for them. I think uh, with my upbringing too, with how my parents taught me, is that it's like I think that's the great, greatest things that they told me is like, um, is like they wanted me not to become a doctor or a lawyer or an enge- especially an engineer or anything in the medical field or something like that, because um, that is 
absolutely no guarantee. Uh, then, like, and especially if what type of lifestyle you want to, right. like, none of those proposes um, any sort of dictation in your life and your lifestyle exactly. necessarily. Uh, especially if, if you're, but I would say if you are super super passionate about those things, that's you should definitely go to it. But understand that you will have no life. Like, for the most part. Right. Like, but if, if your life is the law, if your life is medicine, if your life is just draft, like, as an engineer building those things, but, um, and that's only one, like, that's what you want to do, amazing, do it, but don't expect, don't necessarily expect for much more unless you build these other skills that you need to, to take it to the, to take it to the next level, uh, essentially, and I think, I think that, um, that, yeah, like, I'm glad that I didn't go in any, any of those necessarily those traditional routes too, um, because like I think that's what um, most Americans are, have, have done, and that's what they've learned to do with like school, and, um, like how school teaches you to become like employees essentially. And then I think more people, more I think more school should definitely uh, teach you to become uh, employers, bosses, right. uh, which there's no school that does that. <laughs> is unfortunate but um, we definitely yeah. need those right but it's like I feel bad for people who like follow that route just because their parents told them to they're yeah, supposed to they don't know yeah, they don't, and, they and don't I, I did that like my dad's a CFO like my brother's in finance like all my family's like in finance crap and like, I'm not bad actually I do it for like my businesses but like it wasn't something I was passionate about starting a spreadsheet 60 hours a it's week it's great skills yeah. like, it's great skills to learn like my, my, my mom was a, an accountant like she like she knows how to like all the spreadsheets but then Right now, she always jokes like she would have been a like old maid if she didn't marry my dad. But then even I think I think definitely with the entrepreneur spirit was definitely my dad. But then after like I mean from they were married, uh, they did their own corporate jobs too. And then he had an opportunity to start a business that he had absolutely nothing knows absolutely nothing about. Um, and then they made it. And now for th- over 30 years now that they've they still still they're still running it. And and I think the skills that they both learned even from my mom. If my mom was much more like the back like person who makes sure the spread like, the numbers are correct but even like the like even her original mindset is not original like uh, makeup is not necessarily business orientated but just from the skills that she accumulated throughout her entire life as a business owner she now knows instinctively like different things that you can only know as a business owner uh, which is which is great and I think it, it will no matter who you are and what you do, these skills will make you so much better in, in what you want to do, what you right. want to become, stuff like that. Makes sense. Awesome. Well, a lot of great tips. Uh, what's the best way for people to get in contact with you, especially for the prefix meals? Yeah, you can contact the restaurant uh, at our email, uh, which is go for food, uh, geo the number four, food USA at gmail.com, or you can call our restaurant, which is 312 842 8688. Uh, and then, yeah, uh, my name is Milo, or you can speak to anyone, say, uh, hey, I'm interested in the prefix uh, dinners or whatever, and then we will walk you through that process. Perfect. Well, thanks for saying, I really appreciate it. Thank you for having me.
this episode. I actually met Milo a couple days before recording this. We went in there for a Lunar Ball planning dinner. Uh, he was just absolutely phenomenal guy. Uh, running around like a chick with his head cut off, serving people left and right, getting out all these dishes for his 40 plus people in their basement. Uh, it was fantastic. You know, their uh, party dining room downstairs is three circular tables with a couple lazy Susans on each of them. So you're sitting there spinning food around left and right, just getting tons of dishes. To be honest, I remember what I ate, but it was all absolutely incredible. <laughs> when uh, Milo and I sat down for the interview, he was telling me about a lot of the different foods they actually have serving there. Um, so it was great connections. So I'm really excited about coming back and trying some stuff. The uh, prefix menu with a couple of friends where we give them a nice little budget to play around with seems right up my alley. Seems absolutely fantastic if you're looking to uh, adventure in the world of Chinese food. This episode is sponsored by Lunar Ball. Lunar Ball is Chicago's largest fundraiser for Asian American young professionals and friends, which will be held Saturday, March 25th at the elegant Wintrust Grand Banking Hall. Lunar Ball attracts 800 plus of Chicago's most accomplished young professionals from over 30 different organizations for an evening of drinks, food, entertainment, and networking. So come join them, have fun, Support community charities and celebrate the year of the rooster. Cock it, it'll do. <laughs> this event sells out every year, so make sure you secure a spot soon. I personally will be there. It'll be absolutely phenomenal. Looking forward to it. Please come say hi. If you haven't already, please subscribe to our podcast in iTunes, Pod Directory, or SoundCloud. That way, you'll get our latest episodes sent right to your device when they come out every week. For reference, those are all linked up right in the show notes. While you're in there, feel free to leave us a review. If you do, all I can say is two words. Endless gratitude. Writing reviews helps us understand how we can improve the podcast as we all continue along this fun adventure in fashion, fitness, and food.